I want to thank the musicians and the tech team for the wonderful music this morning. Great is thy faithfulness has been an anthem for me and for our family. Uh, all I have needed, your hand has provided. And I look back uh, over 35 years of pastoral ministry and, and before that into our, our lives before that, and, and this has been at the forefront of, of us. All I have needed, his faithfulness, his goodness he's provided. Um, this is a tough day for me. This is a tough day because um, we've come to a place and a people that we have grown to love incredibly so. And, um, and so for me to come and deliver my last message to you as your senior pastor is, is a tough assignment. Um, we took this as a trust from God, and um, I want to thank God uh, for our elders and our staff and our leaders and our church family, uh, how wonderful it has been the love that has been shown to us, the support that we have received, the graciousness, the kindness of our con congregation, the, the generosity. And I, I have to tell you, I have loved being your pastor. I miss terribly not being here together with you. Here we are in this beautiful uh, sanctuary, this auditorium, and we've got a, just a handful of people and a whole pile of people that I would love to have seen your faces as you sing and worship and pray, and, and um, that's not available to us right now. And uh, uh, we look forward to being able to see you in, in some way or other. I was just going back for a moment to the time we came and candidated here. It was a Friday through a Sunday afternoon, and we met with the staff as a group. We met with staff as individuals on the Friday. We met with elders and their wives and a men's breakfast and different groups asking questions and talking to us and then preaching and then meeting with the elders again Sunday afternoon, and, and it was about four in the afternoon after this elongated time uh, that Gerda and I pulled out of the parking lot here. I looked at her as we just turned on to 16th Avenue, and I said, would you come here? She said, I would. I said, so would I. And uh, that began a, uh, a love relationship that we have had with you folks and, and uh, so much appreciate it. Um, this brings to a conclusion 35 years uh, as a pastor and the, the decision was difficult for us to make. It was um, over a, a long period of time and considering many different things. Um, one of the concerns that I had is for the well-being going forward with the church, and uh, having had Daniel with me for about five years and able to see his gifting and his knowledge and uh, his track record with us, I felt like I could l relinquish that role 
and that he could come in and do a wonderful job. And so uh, I'm glad that the, the district superintendent felt the same way and our elders felt the same way. And I know this has been a, a, a wonderful thing for us as a church that, that we've had a, like a seamless transition uh, without having to go through an 18 to 24 month uh, rigmarole of trying to find a pastor and then having somebody come in and you don't know what they're like and it takes a few years just to get to know each other and I think we've uh, moved that ahead. So that, that has been a really a great thing. And so today uh, is really a, a, a bittersweet time for us and uh, we trust that the Lord will help us get through this without uh, dissolving into uh, uh, tears. Um, what I've thought to do today is to take a passage of the Apostle uh, of uh, Luke, Luke's uh, work in Acts, and uh, the Apostle Paul. Uh, was heading to Jerusalem. He, he wanted to make it there for the Feast of, uh, of Tabernacles. And uh, so he was, he was in a, a rush to get there. But he wanted to meet with the uh, elders from the church at Ephesus. Um, according to what is in the New Testament, it seems like his time at Ephesus uh, at Ephesus was the longest time that he'd been in any one place. Three years he ministered there. So you can imagine the kind of relationship that they had in, enjoyed with that. He had invested in energy and emotion uh, with those believers. Uh, he, he was leaving behind a part of his, his heart and uh, heading to Jerusalem, and he didn't want to, uh, he didn't want to miss that. But there was a, a deep sense that he had also that he was not going to be able to see them again, which is not what I hope to have here, but, but this was his reality. He, he, was, he was leaving them. He asked them, because he was in such a rush, he, he asked them to come take a two-day journey and meet up with him in, at the ship that he was uh, taking to head down to Jerusalem. And uh, so they gathered and uh, what I want to read to you is I want to read uh, what the scripture says about his interaction with these Ephesian elders and uh, what, they, what they had to say. So I'm reading from uh, Acts chapter 20, verses uh, 17 to the end of the chapter. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus to the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day you came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plot of my Jewish opponents. You know how I uh, did not hesitate to preach anything that would be of help to you. I taught you publicly and from house to house. I've declared to you, both Jews and Greeks, that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me, 
My only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you to this day, I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of, the Holy, uh, of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave you, savage wolves will come in among you and will sp not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit to you, to God, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed that you, that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. And remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed and they wept as they embraced him and kissed him. And what, they, what grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. What a, what a time. What an experience. And I, I wanted to frame my comments to you um, in terms of this scripture. Uh, be assured that I'm not putting myself in... <laughs> in the place of the venerable Apostle Paul, but I want to take some of his thoughts and apply them as, uh, as we have here. Saying goodbye is not easy, and uh, it's, it's a challenging, it's a difficult thing. The Apostle Paul, when, he, when this is recorded, it's, it's a little bit all over the place. It's, it's hard to try and, and outline this passage of Scripture. And I think that is because it's a very emotional thing. And so he may bounce back and forth to different things. And uh, I just want us to uh, look and, and see what we can learn from him as we move on from this point of transition with us and with you as well. The first thing I want to share with you is this, that Paul reviews his life in ministry as a model for them to imitate Paul reviews his life in ministry as a model for them to imitate. Uh, now, I want to tell you, none of us is quick to say, hey, follow me, do as I do, I'll be a model for you. Uh, we, we know and recognize that that is a daunting kind of thing, an intimidating prospect to, to think, to, to tell people, to invite them to look at your life and scrutinize it carefully and do what you do. That is not... Um, that's not easy to do. We're all too, and I'm all too aware of my shortcomings and frailties and failures. I, I don't want to say, hey, do as I do, live as I live. Uh, and, and we understand that we're far from perfect, 
we're in need of his grace as well. And this prospect of, of saying this is something that we need to accept in leadership. We can't, uh, we can't pretend like we have arrived. The Apostle Paul hadn't arrived. There was always growth, and he was still a work in process for him. Yet to be a Christian leader, we're called to be a model to others, um, for them to follow. Paul understood this. He said in 1 Corinthians uh, 4, verse 16, I urge you, imitate me. Mm. He goes on in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, follow my example as I follow Christ. In Philippians 3, 17, join with others and following my example. Brothers, take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. He's saying, we all in the Christian faith, we need somebody to look up to. Uh, we don't have, we don't have uh, in a sense, a, a, a real uh, Jesus in, in the flesh walking beside us as an example. We've got Holy Scripture to be sure, but we're looking at people who are beyond us, who've grown beyond us, who are models for how we need to live in our faith. And Paul understood that this needed not only be taught, but we had to pro provide some faithful uh, examples of Christians that could be imitated. Any of us who would dare to take a place in leadership, whether you like it or not, you are an example. Um, and the model goes with the territory. If you're a, a leader in, ch in children's ministry, if you're a youth sponsor, if you're a leader in something else, you need to recognize that you have been placed there by God and their example is very important for them and for their growth and for you to be aware of. So Paul invites the elders to review his life and ministry among them and, and the, the example that he set. And Paul has been a great model for all of us in ministry. I'll summarize his thoughts in three categories. The first one is this, Paul's character as a servant. Paul said he served the Lord. It's interesting, a servant uh, ha has a, a connotation for us, uh, but the word is really a slave. He was owned by Jesus Christ. He was a slave of Jesus Christ. He served Jesus Christ by serving the church. And his concern uh, was that they would serve well. He rendered his service with humility and tears, he said. He, he was into it. He was invested in it. There was no place for big people in God's service because we understand that outside of God's power and provision, there's nothing that can happen of worth. God's grace and gifting, we need more than anything else. And uh, that we can, uh, can look to God, uh, to his worth the, and value and be in, in, independent of God or we can walk with him humbly as we're reliant on him for all we're seeking to do, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And Paul could hold himself up as a model of this. He, he's, he, he wanted God to get the credit. He didn't want the, the, the headlines to be about him. Paul says he, he served with tears. Something I learned early in ministry that is that there's an emotional toll to ministry. You, you can't go in and not be in all the way with your mind, with your heart, with your emotions, with your will. Uh, Jesus couldn't look at people without weeping. Uh, Paul says twice here 
uh, that in his service was rendered with tears. He, he was, he was uh, all the way in on this whole thing. You, you can serve, but there can be painful trials they have to endure. You can suffer for the poor, sinful decisions that you, you can make. Um, you, you can be dispassionate. You can't be dispassionate about people who are hurting. When you see them hurting, Jesus poured out his, his self in, in, in uh, tears. And so the Apostle Paul also did that. I've had the privilege and the honor of coming beside so many of you who have gone through some times of difficulty and, and, and uh, challenges in your life. Uh, and I've considered it a, a great honor to be able to come alongside you. And, and the relationship that we've been able to have is something beautiful. But Paul intimates this. His service was also re rendered with perseverance. He, ser he served under the most difficult of situations, facing many hardships. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15 and 32, he said he fought wild beasts in Ephesus, relating to his struggles and challenges, yet he persisted. Ministry will not always uh, be tough. There will be exquisite joys, but there will also be difficult trials. And Paul says to them, you've seen me in the midst of these trials. He says, the Holy Spirit says, wherever you go, you're in for trouble. And, and so here he is, a model sought to embody God's strength in those kind of things for us who would be leaders and teachers. Uh, Paul's faithful, uh, also, we, we, he talks about his faithfulness as a teacher. I would say to you, the most important thing that I do as a senior pastor of our church is to preach and teach the word of God. That is the number one responsibility. When the, when the, new, the church was born in Acts 2, and when they talked about the life of the church, um, the apostle uh, Luke tells us that they gave themselves, they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. That was the first order of business for them. And, and so it was important for them to, to teach, and he says to them, you've got to be faithful in teaching. This ongoing commitment. And this is not something that's to be taken lightly. In fact, listen to what James tells us in James 3 and 1. He says, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I'll tell you, it's, it's with trepidation that I stand before you to dare to speak God's word uh, to you without understanding and hoping and, and working to, that I'm representing God well, that I would live with integrity, that I would study, that I would come to the best of my ability to know God he, Paul says he didn't shrink back from anything that would be helpful for the flock. He, he understood and reg recognized that he had this uh, to fulfill. He knew what they needed. Um, and and in, in order to preach well, you need to, you need to uh, immerse yourself in the word of God. You need to understand it. You need to pray for God's uh, opening your heart to not only understand it, but to live it through. It's, it's no good if we who stand up to teach don't live it out in our own lives. And uh, Paul could, could do that, and he could see the people and understand the needs, and he could bring the word of God to bear on it. I want to tell you, it's, it's a challenge 
to preach the word of God. It's the thing that I love most and that I, that I struggle with the most, week after week after week, uh, to understand and to handle the word of God correctly in season, and, and that he would empower his word to accomplish his purpose with his people, and that their lives would be conformed to the image of his son. There are many times when preaching the word is difficult. There are some times when it's designed to bring rebuke and pain. God's will often is at cross purposes to what we desire so often. Many times it's taken a lot of courage on my part to stand against the will of people who are disobeying the word of God. I've been misunderstood. I've been maligned. I've had people angry with me. At times, I've not been able to comply with their desires, and I've challenged their lifestyle or their decisions because my role is to bring God's counsel uh, and his word to your lives as, as my flock, the flock under my care. Those are difficult times. At times, people have come to me for advice. They don't really want to hear what I have to say or what the word of God has to say. They want somebody to affirm it. They're difficult times, and uh, at, at times people um, will struggle with that and be angry with me. And Paul understood and knew that as well. And uh, I want to say that uh, it, it takes courage to do that, and none of us likes to be a naysayer or somebody who's calling someone out. But if I have to stand before the Lord, I want to know that uh, I have, to the best of my ability, uh, provided for his people what they need. But Paul's third, third part he has is he has a, the heart of an evangelist. Paul was possessed by the Lord with a love for people. He said to the Roman believers, he said, I, I wish that I could, would be eternally cursed if only this, uh, the, the, uh, my fellow countrymen would come to faith in Jesus. He was so com compassionate. He was so disturbed about that. He said, Lord, if I could go to hell so that my people could go. He had that kind of passion in him. And Paul was careful to tell anyone and everyone what Jesus had done for them. He, he adapted his life to reach all the people. He, whoever they were, he tried to adapt himself to reach them, both Jews and Greeks. They need to turn to God, he said, Paul is so focused in his life that when he's heading to Jerusalem and he's in danger, in which his life is threatened, he says, I consider my life worth nothing if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. The only thing that counted for Paul was in life was seeing people come and, and become a part of God's family, being forgiven and grown in their faith. A number of years ago, God really began to bring a burden on my heart for lost people. He helped me see that the church, no matter how healthy it would be financially or attendance-wise or having a good reputation in the community, which all of those are, are good things, but it was, it was not good enough if we weren't seeing people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. I made a commitment to the Lord years ago that whatever, uh, whatever leadership position he would give me in the church, I would work to the best of my ability 
to bring the gospel and help our, our leaders, our elders, our staff, our, our whole church family to be um, ambassadors for Jesus Christ, to bring the good news to those out, uh, out there. And uh, it's it, it, to call people from their sin so they can find forgiveness, that God would touch their lives. And he impressed upon me that churches have become too inwardly focused. We've tried to keep people happy in the pew uh, by having the right kind of programming or music or whatever it is. And he impressed upon me that we needed to have a, a, a concern for lost people that would move us to reach out to them uh, above meeting our own needs. I want to say to you that if you've been attending UAC for a short time or an extended time, but you haven't opened your heart to Jesus Christ, I would urge you, Paul says, I, we urge you, I would urge you to open your heart to him. And maybe you found this, this growing conviction in you about this Christianity and about Jesus and what he's done for you. Uh, maybe there's this sense that week by week you've been coming to church and things are starting to come together and you're starting to understand more and more um, the Christian faith and, and you sense this inner tug, almost like a magnetic pull drawing you toward God. Um, my, my plead to you would be, I would urge you to accept the Lord. If that's happening in your life, nothing could make me happier as I, as I leave this position is that somebody under the sound of my voice today would hear that and say, you know what, that's me. I've been thinking about this for a long time. And that you would open your heart before him. You'd, you'd thank him for the God he is and sending Jesus Christ. You'd acknowledge your sin and, and realize that God had his son put to death so that he would take the punishment for your sin. And, and that you would be cleansed. You'd be accepted by him. And if that happens for you, would you drop a note into the church and, and let us know there's nothing that would give us greater joy and delight to see that happen in your life. Friends, Paul holds up his life not in a proud way, not in an arrogant way, but in recognition that it was the grace of God operational in him, that God's, with God's help, he'd be faithful. He's, he's, he's not backward in saying that the, to the Ephesian elders uh, and calling them to this task. Seven years ago, I came as your pastor. God led us here to provide leadership for the people in this place. I've stood before you at my induction service and I pledged that to the best of my ability, I would faithfully discharge my ministry responsibilities before the Lord to lead you, to teach you God's truth, to care for you, to seek to lift you up and to lift Jesus up in our community. And we have sought to be true to that calling. Not perfectly. Those of you who know me well enough know I'm far from perfect. But seeking to steward the gifts that God has given to us in the power of the Holy Spirit and for his glory. Although we're an imperfect, an imperfect example, with Paul, we humbly say to you, we have sought to do that, to observe uh, our lives that you would, uh, and I would trust that you would see a heart for God that we have, 
and that we would have been a good model for you. Paul moves from reflecting on his own ministry to them to warn the elders. Uh, Paul warns and charges the Ephesian elders. Um, the highest body of authority in the local church in our denomination is our elders. And Paul wanted to speak to the elders. He wanted to get a message to them to provide guidance for them. And his concern was for their future. He understood the perils and the pitfalls of ministry and what could lie ahead for church leaders. And so he speaks to the elders in the church. Uh, he understood that we do not engage in a war that is flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual battle against spiritual, uh, spiritual entities, spiritual war in high-ranking demonic places. And so he warns them for a few things. One thing is to keep their watch over themselves. The church leaders, the elders, and the pastors are the targets of so many of Satan's attack. He wants to bring leaders down. He wants to destroy them, to discredit them. A number of years ago, I, I talked to some people who had, uh, and after church, had gone out in a restaurant and had something to eat, and they saw a group at another table off from them uh, praying. And they thought, oh, isn't this lovely? Here's, here's a group of Christians paying. So they, they went over as they were leaving the restaurant and said, you know, it's just so lovely that you're praying. And they found out that they were a Satan-worshipping group who were praying for the fall of evangelical pastors in London. It's scary out there. And, and, and uh, Satan wants to dr drag down these churches of ours we're praying uh, that God would protect. And so he says, watch over yourselves. You're under attack. And, and he held them up before the Father's throne. And it is a credit to God. And I want to thank all of you who have prayed faithfully for us and, and held us up before the Lord uh, with the challenges that we face. Uh, and, and truly, God has used that. Secondly, Paul tells them to keep watch over the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. This is done by being shepherds of God's flock. I remind you that it's not my church, it's his church. But it's, it's God's church, and the leadership role that we have is a stewardship from God. He's very jealous for his, his church. His children are most precious to him, and he says he bought them with his own blood. How important is the church? It's so vitally important to his work. He knew that when he would leave, he said, savage wolves will come in and, and among the flock and not spare them. He predicted that there would be challenges to the truth of Scripture. And if you read through the epistles of the Apostle Paul, you'll find virtually in every one of them, he's dealing with problems and issues as well. And so it is with us. Uh, and I want to tell you, there are a lot of ways, there are programs on, on religious programs, on the, the TV and, and internet, and, and I, I fear for some of you who are being taught things that are not true, that are coming through various media. Um, and, uh, and you as the elders need to protect and guard and watch the flock. It started at the very beginning when Satan said to Eve, Adam and Eve, has God really said? He challenged the word of God. He led them astray. And so I want to encourage you leaders to protect the flock in that way. And, and then there's also to care for the flock. 
Uh, the love uh, of people of God is so precious to the Father, his people. He cares for them. Encourage them in their distress. Comfort them in their sorrow. Uh, guide them in their confusion. Correct them in their error. Rejoice with them in their, in them in their victories. And model faithful Christian living and teach them to walk in the ways of the Lord. And let me speak just for a moment to you as the whole church family. God has given us a huge uh, and, and great uh, responsibility to be his examples, his, his um, un, uh, ambassadors, his representatives on earth. All of us are charged with that. And, and uh, Jesus wants to reach out through us to broken and hurting people to see them come to faith in Jesus Christ and, and to find hope. He makes this clear. The hope of the world is in the church. This is his means for reaching out and touching them. And I want you to give yourselves fully to that, uh, fully to God's love and grace, every single one of us, that we would have no higher calling. Help make UAC the most loving and caring church in Markham. And uh, what God desires would be reflected in that. And strive for unity. The Apostle Paul admonished the elders um, the Ephesian believers, to make every effort uh, to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Satan would like nothing more than to cause strife and division among us and tear the body apart. Don't let that happen. Don't let the enemy get, uh, take advantage of that. Stand in love and unity. I believe the most exciting days are ahead for this church, and I'm excited for the future. And Paul concludes his talk and he commits the elders, uh, the Ephesian elders to God in the word of his grace. Paul realizes that uh, he's going to leave now. And there's a, a sense of leaving that's very difficult. The, uh, there's a sense uh, for, for a pastor of having ownership of the church. This is good and it can be healthy. This is my church. You are my people. I will, I will go to the ends of the earth to protect you, to help you, to all the rest of that. But we need to, though we need to have that kind of like, like a mother with a child, so we also need to understand that it's God's church, and he'll take care of his church, and, and we don't overstep that. We, in his place, serve for him. And, and uh, I, just, I just pray that you leaders and people together will, will come together in such a beautiful unity and that we'll see God do some incredible things. Paul, can, can, uh, he takes us to this place at the end where they're, they're about to depart. They all bend down. They all bow down together and pray. They're weeping. It's a difficult time for them. And uh, he, he wanted to pray to the Lord that the word of his grace would be able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And what I want to do just as I conclude now is I want to commit you to his grace, to the word of his grace. And uh, so if you will pray, pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, it's with heartfelt gratitude that I acknowledge your grace in allowing me to shepherd this 
precious flock of God, this people of God over the last seven years. I thank you for the blessings and the victories that we've shared together. The people who have become a part of the family during this time, the lives of those that are growing in obedience to your will and being progressively transformed into the beautiful image of Jesus. You have been most gracious and kind to us beyond what we would ever deserve. You provided our needs and wrapped us in your love. And I ask, O oh Lord, that you would knit the hearts of this people together in love and in faith and in unity. May the outside world see the love that they have for one another and may they recognize that they are your children. May the love and light of Christ emanate from this family of God in their homes, in their neighborhoods, in their schools and place of employment. May you, with boldness, share the good news of Jesus, that many people will come to faith in Jesus. I pray for Pastor Daniel and Laura as they take on this new weighty responsibility. I thank you for their love for you and their commitment to you. I thank you for the leading of your spirit in their lives and in our lives that would provide uh, a, a, a pastor for this church at this season. I pray, Father, that your hand would be upon them to, to protect them and all of our elders. I pray that you would cause this family to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, being steadily conformed to his image. I pray that you would preserve and commit a pure doctrine in this church that will guide and protect the integrity of the ministry. May you give wisdom and discernment to the leaders of this flock that they may lead well, stewarding with integrity their responsibility before you. And may the praises of God sound forth from this place, from generation to generation, to the glory of God as a lasting testimony to the grace of God until Jesus returns. And it's in his, in his name that I pray. Amen.